What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 315. My name is Steve. I'm here as uh, one of the co-hosts. I'm here as always with... I'm Ron. And I'm John. Uh, and wow, 315 episodes. That's Damn. crazy. That is a so great accomplishment. A great yeah, accomplishment. Let's we make, should say that after every episode starts. Let's keep this one short. I think we got off to a great start. We kept it positive. Maybe now's a good time to wrap it up. Call it a week. <laughs> it's a very special episode and the shortest one ever. You're welcome. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so we're going to be talking a couple, a couple, uh, I guess, big titles. I mean, we're going to be talking, I think a couple of us saw the uh, first episode for the second season of The Morning Show mm. uh, to talk a little bit about, which comes back out on Apple TV. Um, and uh, last week saw the release of James Wan's new horror film, Malignant, which was in theaters and in, on uh, HBO Max is one of the day and date releases that Warner Media uh, still has coming out on HBO. So that was available as of Friday. We all checked it out um, since we last recorded. So we'll be talking about that for the better part of this episode. Um, and there will be uh, a section towards the end where we'll have some spoilers too, because that's some of the probably the best conversation about this movie will probably involve spoilers. Yes. But um, that'll be a little later. I guess at the top of the show, before we get into any of these little like mini reviews that we have, I wanted to just kind of mention to you guys, you know, in the in light of the the, the success of uh, Shang Chi at the box office, this, this window that Disney protected for this or this experiment, whatever they called it, it was a success, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of this pandemic that we're you know living in and through and just a part of now. Um, you know, some things have happened over the past week that I think are really interesting and kind of wanted to get your guys feeling on it. But basically, like a lot of Disney titles mainly that that really kind of made the news, but a lot of some other studios have even come out to say the similar thing where like, I think that coming out has really kind of uh, given that vote of confidence that these studios needed. We mentioned it last week, you know, to officially announce that, you know, these movies are going to be given protected theatrical windows, you know, and I think Disney on behalf of what, the, you know, the rest that they have coming out this year, including the Marvel property, um, the Eternals and, you know, uh, the really Scott's The Last Duel, which is a Fox property. Um, um, there's a couple other, oh, West Side Story, like a big movies that are coming out that have basically been confirmed that they're going to have either a 30 or a 45. Most of them have a 45 um, day window. And uh, I kind of, you know, now that they've made that commitment um, and even making comments like, you know, the whole Disney plus premier access thing, it's kind of sort of sounding like it's done mm. uh, for the foreseeable future until, you know, they reassess. But um, what do you guys think of this commitment? What do you guys think of it? It feels like it's kind of something has shifted a little bit in, in the wake of Shang-Chi, which is, you know, kind of been this, you know, shining light of like a way to maybe still make some money. And again, Ronald, I think you said it last week, it doesn't mean they're going to make anything near what Shang-Chi is making, which yeah. at the time of recording this podcast, um, you know, it crossed $150 million in 12 days, which is like a record during the pandemic. And probably by, you know, in, in the next like five, six days, it, it'll probably cross uh, or over the next weekend or so, it'll probably cross 200 million, making it the first movie to do so during the pandemic domestically. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's a special thing, but the performance has reassured, I think a lot of, studios and filmmakers and you know talent all across the board so i mean what do you think about this commitment ronald i mean what what does it say to you uh to hear them actually come committing to this and and you know in some ways like putting the whole streaming 
piece of it on the back burner. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I like to do, because I because I watch and listen to a lot of media is I like to listen to like big critics. Um, one of them is John Campia. Like, you know, he's, he's a pretty big guy in the, in the industry. Uh, yeah. He has been pretty adamant about uh, theaters just being alive and streaming, not being a thing for, for these bigger titles. And while I think that's a good idea, I think it's a leap of faith. And sometimes that leap can be Frogger. You're, you're, you're literally trying to hop across this traffic of a bunch of uh, movies kind of coming out at once. And I think that there's going to be some collateral damage where sometimes like there's a there's a there's a risk that you're taking. Right. So like if it comes out in a theater, um, there's like steam that's supposed to be behind it. That'll see to it that it happens. That's, you know, through viral things, through the proper promotion. If that doesn't work, you will have lost all that promotional money and then yeah. hope to get a little bit of money back in PVOD. Whereas if you do the PVOD thing, you're taking less of a risk for, for, and I don't mean this for everything, like obviously bigger ones should maybe try to come out, but for the, the kind of middle, middle, middle of the road ones that could be really successful. I feel like burning the money in promotion and then not getting the, 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 the money that you want to make. And then maybe the, the idea that somebody's like, Oh, that flopped in the movie theater. Right. That reputation carrying on the PVOD can maybe hurt it. So I think it's weird. I think it's very strange that these all of these movies can't work. And and I think that that is my issue. But I do understand trying because you could get uh, maybe if you get half of what Shang-Chi got, that would be a victory. But I don't even think that some of these things are going to get half. Right. That, that's my fault. That's my problem with it. What, what do you think, John? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple thoughts that are going through my head. Uh, mm-hmm. One is just there's a new kind of content, entertainment, storytelling, whatever you want to call it, that we've all gotten used to, which is this the serialized television show, mm. which a lot of times is like an expanded, this could be a movie kind of thing. Um, and even down to the specific stuff, like Marvel has had all the shows this year. I just kind of took stock of all the Marvel stuff we've gotten this year. Right. And, and was what we still are co- have coming this year. And I was like, wow, they went from like nothing last year to like, like a boatload to like we're just gonna have something new every week you know um and it i i don't know i kind of think that for those types of properties it does say well there is a kind of movie that really works better if you see it on the big screen it's a two-hour story it's 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 got momentum it's got spectacle like shang chi which i think i would have loved at home i do think was much more impressive on a big screen i think we said about the suicide squad that we wish we could have had a big screen experience with that 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 was like it worked at home but we wished we could have had the big screen experience with it um so i think we we already know there's some stuff that really needs that presentation to come over and there's other stuff that maybe doesn't so i i guess to me i sort of I'll say Godspeed little doodle to the to the streaming model that we got to enjoy for a little while. For for a minute it really seemed like we were going to see this synergy of what they could do just with the release pattern, you know. And what we've discovered is no, these these things, those 2-hour stories, those things with all the yeah. spectacle, those things need to be 
uh, huge blockbusters to be worth the while of the studio to to make them and to get everybody excited about them and all the marketing mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, so I guess if we were thinking, oh, a certain kind of movie might die if theaters are dying, and now we're going to say, no, the theatrical experience will exist for those types of movies mm-hmm. and for all movies. I don't mean to be this idiot who thinks it has to have spaceships and explosions in it to see it on the big screen. Right. I'm just saying certain movies like definitely need that big screen to really feel like what they are. And other movies are just right. like most movies are going to be more impressive. You know, Problem Child 2 is probably like more impressive on a big screen than, than on your home system. You yeah. know, even um, and I don't mean to pick that movie. I'm sure it's fine cinematography wise, whatever. I I just think we already know there's certain entertainment that we watch at home and certain entertainment that you got to go to the theaters to see. So it's like the fact that we're kind of back there is no great surprise. Um, right. Uh, and uh, what I think we might see that they haven't said they won't do is we will see maybe this creation of that kind of in between, like maybe Disney, Marvel, Dip, WB, whoever, they're going to have their version of the sort of Netflix level movie that comes out on streaming. And, th- you know, there's already some, <clears throat> some like DC has announced some properties that are being made into movies for HBO Max that you can expect to be like a reduced budget. Like I think blue beetle is a superhero that's getting a movie, but it's going to be an HBO max movie. So it's like, I don't know. I think they're going to find a way to keep you busy at home (laughs) and yet, and yet still have some movies that, you know, we're still talking only a month and a half that in this weird time, a month and a half either feels like 20 years or it feels like five minutes. So um, you'll be able to watch these things at home. If you insist on being part of that moment, you know, or if you thrive on being part of that moment, when everyone's seeing something and it's new, that is the thing that's really going to mutate. Right. Because now already with Shang-Chi, there's a lot of people like you guys who are going to see it but haven't seen it yet. And it's like, right. well, the the rest of us are doing a pretty good job of keeping our mouth shut about the surprises. You know, we don't want to ruin, th- ruin things for you, but it's different to have this staggered conversation where, yeah. oh, who's oh, seen sure. it yet? Whereas normally the used to be like a big movie comes out and like within a weekend, you kind of know you can start making references to it and that most people will have at least some frame of, of uh, or an idea of what you're talking about. But yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. guess it doesn't surprise me. They're going to figure out how to make more money. What what the bigger mystery for me is outside of that is like, how long will that last? I mean, it seems like maybe we're just going to start opening things back up and there's not going to be another uh, lockdown or whatever you want to call it. But I, I think we're all still being extremely cagey. So it's not like, it's not like they're going to start making the money they used to make. Um, sure. Definitely. So, and, yeah. and, and I mean, I, and I do think like kind of what you're alluding to is a point I was going to make too, is that like, I think in some ways it, you know, viewers have been trained a little bit that, you know, the ability to watch stuff at home, that's, that's new stuff is a very valuable experience, especially yeah. if it's a part of something that you're already paying for. So, I mean, I think those that are maybe being a little more cautious still, and or those that may be back to their normal life, but they don't really want to commit to going to a movie theater anymore. Right. Um, all to just say, I think that like what we're seeing in some ways are like remnants of movies that were already in production, you know, before COVID hit. And there's still, you know, probably a year's worth or eight months of movies that are going to be coming out in 2022, if not further, that are movies that, you know, we're supposed to come out, excuse me, um, you know, already. And they're just trying to get them out still. So like those movies, like Rana was saying, some of these massive budget movies that are still going to come out in theaters, though, those movies may not ever be made for theaters again. Like they may not be made with the intent to ever see a theater, but at this point, the commitment is still that because that's what the intention was. And they're seeing maybe the light that, you know, like maybe we can actually make a lot of money back before we, you know, put it on VOD or put it on the streaming 
So like what John was saying is I think where it really is going to go is that like once those movies are out and the programming going forward from here is that they know which movies people are going to pay to see in a theater. Right. And those are the ones that are going to probably be made for the theater. And there's going to be a whole nother experience where maybe these movies are, you know, greenlit and budgeted for whatever studios have the over the, the uh, over the top service of the, you know, in-house and I think that'll be really interesting because like some of those genres that we love, like some of those movies, there may be more of those kinds of movies, like more comedies. And even though horror movies make a lot of money in theaters sometimes, and they're usually bankable because of the budgets. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, there's a par another paranormal activity movie coming out, you know, in a month on Paramount Plus that we know nothing about basically besides who's making it. You know, there's wow. no today they just released the, the, the name of the movie, which is, I think, Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Mm. <clears throat> But I mean, this is an example of it, though, is that they're making this movie directly for the streaming platform. It was never intended to go to a theater. And this was announced during the pandemic, like right at the start of it last year. And, you know, I think that's an example of what we're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, because, like, you know, certain kinds of movies that weren't getting made in the theater because it could never make back, you know, a 20 million dollar budget, even though it was kind of specialized they may see value in putting it into their original programming on, you know, Peacock or on Disney plus or whatever, whatever the case may be, but it'll be really interesting. And, uh, you know, these big movies that are coming out in the, in the, the back half of this year, I'll be interested to see how well, um, they do next of which being like Venom and bond, I guess, are the next two big ones. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I just wanted to kind of get your take on that so we can move on. Um, do you guys want to talk? Did you both see the morning show or uh, yeah. did John? Yeah. Okay. Why don't you guys talk about the uh, season premiere of the second season for uh, Apple TV Plus's The Morning Show? The Morning Show, Apple TV Plus's drama um, that stars uh, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, um, who work on The Morning Show that has just uh, experienced a catastrophic sort of experience one of their uh one of the uh, personalities prior to reese witherspoon coming on uh had been accused of many things uh and had to leave the show and this follows the events uh about six to nine i think about six to nine months after i gotta say i'm gonna have to to get back <laughs> to you on the timeline because this Good. is one of those second seasons that and I, I think the, the overarching topic that I had, and you can even chime sure. in on this, Steve, even without having seen it, is this is one of those second seasons that it feels like maybe they changed their mind about what they wanted to do with the second season after the end of the first season. Mm. Like, I, I yeah. think... I know, this, you, I know you, sir. I, I, I mean, there are shows where they... Breaking Bad comes to mind, where they were famous for like painting themselves into a narrative corner at the end of a season mm. that they had no idea how to get out of. But they would spend the next season, usually the first chunk of the next season, getting out of whatever narrative corner they had painted themselves into. Right. And that not every show needs to be that linear, but this show feels like there were the certain things that were cooking at the end of the first season that they that they kind of double back on. Like they've they've they're, I think they want a certain thing going on with this show. I think they want it to be Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon kind of partnered. And I mm. think that like, you know how sometimes the season ends in a moment and you feel like, okay, is this new shattered existence? All these characters are kind of spread out. Is this like the new status quo for this show? Or are, are they going to spend part of the next season getting things 
back where they were or getting people back around each other. And it kind of feels yeah. like maybe they're doing a little bit of that of like this season is is like Jennifer Aniston's character left the show. Well, now she's she's coming back to the show. Uh, 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 Billy Crudup's character, Corey, who is probably my favorite thing about the show. Um, yeah. He's sort of like disgraced and and fired, but he's back with the company. You know what I mean? It's almost like they they didn't want to change as much as they thought they did at the end of the, the yeah. first season. But outside of that, I think this is just one of those well-written, well-acted, well-shot dramas that like you get swept up in the crackling kind of uh, Aaron Sorkin-y. It's not Aaron Sorkin, but it's got a little bit, it's a lot of walk and talk and a lot of people doing like jargon that it's, it's the back behind the scenes workings of this morning show and you go i don't know if this is realistic or not you know i don't know this feels like 50 50 maybe because the right. stuff they put on the screen that's a representation of the morning show which is a la you know good morning america or the today show it's about half accurate it's like sometimes they nail the tone of the way those shows feel and sometimes mm -hmm. what they're putting up there doesn't really feel like that so i have to assume the behind the scenes stuff might be the same way that like maybe this is halfway the way it works at a big network and then halfway it's soap opera but you know i mean the the people were, if you look across the board at the people working on this show, I think this was the, the show that we said about the, when Apple TV Plus started, that they were clearly trying to hit that HBO of streaming spot of like, these shows are shows that we're passionate about and we're putting a lot of effort into, and they've been tooled, you know, and they've got all these stars. And we haven't even mentioned Steve Carell yet. He was kind of one yeah. of the, he, he was the disgraced uh harasser abuser of the first season and he hasn't i haven't seen him pop up yet in the second season but i think he's, he's going to be part of it but yeah i don't know i mean i feel like they they definitely warped the show the way the first episode ends of the new season is a great nod to a very depressing year that we all just uh you know remember uh went like it actually Oof. ends with it's new year's eve and and billy crudup says things are looking up and uh then someone sneezes behind him and they pan up and you see the big 2020 in lights and it's yeah. like it's like, okay, yeah. It, and you go, oh, okay, so this show, that's what they're doing. That's, oh, we lost Steve. Yeah. Maybe he'll hop back on. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll just finish talking about the show, and he can, he might jump back in while we're doing this. But, you, you know, how do you feel about story-wise? What's your engagement level with this show? Do you feel I, like you're going to just absorb all the episodes pretty quickly? or It's it's one of my favorite shows. I've absorbed quite a bit of it. Um, it, it really, the first episode really does kind of you know i know what you mean but it does get its footing um and it does kind of it it really if you are wondering about the events of the first season it it directly addresses all of them every bit every string that you are thinking of is directly addressed in the second season which is cool and and that's something that i like you were saying like based on the first episode you would think like Something's weird about this, but they it 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 kind of goes like this, and then right because yeah. it's like because like the cool. chess pieces have moved since we last yeah. saw the board. It's like that's what I was trying to say about the timeline. It's like yeah. the things that were happening last year happened, and then six months they they mentioned it eight months yeah. something like that. But it feels like more time has passed than that than the way people are <laughs> acting. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll the timeline will kind of tighten up once now that the storyline seems to be moving forward. It's, it's not catching yeah. you back up, but um, yeah. Yeah. Wonky timelines. Uh, there's a show we've been watching. Nikki's been watching it more than me, but I've been kind of watching it over her shoulder. The Dr. Death, the Peacock show. Oh, wow. Yeah. That show it's, is nuts. But the timeline, I feel like it's unnecessarily <laughs> like 
just jumps back and forth without yeah. really any lyrical reason for it. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like, oh, this. Yeah, like, I, I, could, I could tell from the wigs, like what age yeah. people are supposed to be. Because you're like, who? That's the lady that gets hurt in the other yeah. part that they're talking about. Why is she? Yeah, I, yeah, I got. I agree, but it's such a good show. Like you, that's that's how you know a show is solid when it has weird timeline, weird continuity things, and you're still like, I have to see the next episode. I I, I don't care what they're doing. I just need to know what's happening. I really like Pacey. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's great in that show yeah. too. Yeah, he's yeah. so good in that show. <clears throat> yeah, and, and and from Fringe, you know, I mean, he was so. Uh, for sure. Like he kind of that was the show where I was like, oh, okay, this guy's a real actor. He's not just a you know whatever Dawson, whatever I thought of Dawson's Creek kind of had you know washed off of him. It yeah. wasn't just melodrama. He's actually good with characters. But also, you know, who's fun for me to watch? I haven't watched Mr. Robot, so for me, this is the first time in a while I've been able to watch a good Christian Slater performance. But he's yeah, really Ooh. fun to watch and seems to be having fun. And also him and and Alec Baldwin, they have a lot of scenes together, and that stuff is it's usually pretty good, you know. It's I not quite, it's not quite like Robot. a great show, but it, it definitely chugs along and it's really well made. And, you know, episodes end with that feeling of, I got to watch the next one for sure. So, yeah. yeah. I think you would love Mr. Robot. But yeah, like, morning show. Uh, yeah, just morning to, show. just to rope you back in, Steve, uh, you you'll, you know, it's more of the same. If you liked the first season, you'll you, it's the same tone, same. It's like, I think they're going to get at some pretty big stuff. Uh, you know, just like the first season got at some pretty big issues. Um, it feels like they're, I don't know if you've watched more than me, Ronald, but it feels like they're teeing up 2020 so that they can deal with a lot of stuff. You yeah. know, I've watched quite a bit. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It, it gets real. It gets real, real, real. And, and it's outside of the things it's directly related. This isn't a spoiler, right? Like it, it's, it's dealing with the events of during lockdown and COVID and when that yeah. st stuff starts, like it gets, it kind of will, if you aren't prepared, it might give you a little bit of like, like, I don't know, like some nightmares, man. Like trigger you or something. Trigger trigger you pretty bad. Because I remember like where I was, I was about to go to Paris. Like I was like about to go. I was about to ignore everybody. And we were about to go get stuck in another place. And, you know. It I know. Just, I said, Ronald, what's up? And you said, ooh, la, la. And you slapped me in the face. Yes. And you got on a bike. <laughs> and you rode off on a bike with a beret on. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. To wait in line. To yeah. wait in line for the, uh, <laughs> for the whatever whatever it was, croissants or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, yo, it's a, it's a really good show. It'll trigger you for sure. For sure will trigger you. But it, it does it in a way that feels very, like, I don't know, man. They they have a good balance of like shocking and like the more the morality surrounding it really feels like they're handling it in a good way. So, yeah, morning show. Well, it's like it takes cool. those moral issues seriously, and I think that's yes. something that yes. can be very corny or cheesy. But this show happens to be, like I said before, it's just got this pace and general production value to it that makes it fun well i mean again if you you saw the first season you know what it's like but for our listeners if you haven't seen it or have been putting it off it's i mean i feel like it's a binge it's a it's one of those shows that you will start to go oh maybe this is okay and then once yeah. you're a couple episodes in it just is like okay how much time do i have <laughs> yeah yes yeah 
Uh, man, if we haven't said it enough, get into the Apple TV Plus stuff. There's I know that it's, over there. It's, it's a really hard. It's it's really hard because there's so much stuff happening at once, like all these streaming services. But Apple TV is trying to do something that feels a little more avant-garde. I know that sounds weird. But think like HBO. Think you know that sort of level of stuff. And and Apple has a very specific vision of how they're trying to go for stuff. So. You know who else has a kind of passion project attitude? I think about the shows they put on just as a little sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um, I was noticing this. I think both AMC and FX seem to put on a lot of shows that are developed with that same eye towards like, yes. we just want to put this on. Like they, they yeah. want to stand behind something. They, they don't always keep a show on the air. But I just recently yeah. watched uh, the first episode of Why the Last Man. Mm. And that was um, that was also one where like, the tone of the show comes out, but you can feel the development process. That was one that had a tortured process uh, being being brought to the screen with how long it yeah. took and with the cast changes and it was on, it was off, it had different teams. And finally it comes out and it, it's a really self-assured hour of television and you go, oh yeah, this is that, you know, it's a development process that I guess you go through. I can't remember if that's if that FX or AMC that's got Why the Last it's Man. FX. FX, because I saw it on Hulu. Um, but yeah, I think the first couple episodes are up. I only watched the first one, but, um, you know, it's very simple setup. It's almost like the non-comedy version of The Last Man on Earth, if mm-hmm. you liked that Fox show. Um, but also it's got elements of a lot of kind of dystopian things we've seen, but the the tone of it is... Uh, They've, they've updated the comic. In the comic, it's um it's there's an event that leaves just one one human man and one male monkey alive, and mm. every other every other living creature that's male on the planet has has been wiped out by this weird event. And they've they've done an interesting thing with the show. It's why the last man, but they've said on the show that now we know that there are because uh, the premise of this the comic was that the Y chromosome was the thing. But mm. it's like, well, now we know that that's not where it's divided, you know? So in this story, there are other men who would not have died because they didn't have the Y chromosome, but there's also women who died because they did have the Y chromosome. So, I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's wow. putting it in a, in a very much more contemporary world in terms of the gender spectrum and the way it's dealing with it. And I think, I mean, at least that's what I've read. The first episode doesn't have a lot of that in it. But with the cast of characters that the comics had and with the, with the ability of a show to be like a perfect way to adapt a series of graphic novels, you know, there's so much like you have like a storyboarded story right there. Um, yeah. I think the show has the potential to be really really cool and maybe something that people are talking about as it as it really gets into the nitty-gritty oh man that's exciting nice i'm gonna check that out yeah i saw that the first three were posted so I, oh, okay i didn't know the. i, I yeah, just noticed that, that it said Google, next yeah. on you know how you're watching something and it gives yeah. you the next on and yeah, you're like yeah, yeah, oh yeah. there's more and then when it gives yeah. you next on and it's some <laughs> shit you watched a month ago that you stopped watching and it takes you back to that that's like, the oh. worst that's- oh no more <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Castle um, Rock and Blackish are the two shows that come up in our thing that we like put on. Like I think we watched a couple episodes of Blackish, and they just are in the middle of them, and it picks up where we left off. It's such. It's like what a good memory you have, Hulu. But I don't need you to do that. And then Castle Rock, we watched it, but it kept putting us back in that second season that goes off the the rails a bit with uh, uh, Annie Wilkes. Um, and it just I don't know. It's just the kind of thing that makes you want to run for the remote when you're like I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious, man. Anyway, so you wanted so it, to talk about some physical media, I believe, Ronald. Yes, yes. What is, what is physical media? Physical media is uh, a disc, a circular data disc where a laser hits it 
and mm-hmm. reads the data on. It's pretty cool. And, and the what's re- the data in this case? Movies. Oh, and, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Three in particular. Uh, the two I want to talk about first. Uh, the thing. Universal just released a 4K mm. UHD of the thing. Now here's the thing: if you've seen this here's movie, the thing. You, if you know how beautiful it is, you know how beautiful it is. But this does something really different, man. Like it's incredibly the color spectrum on this show, on this movie is just deep. The whites are white, the blacks are black. the The sound is intense. Um, like. So here's here's why I've been starting to mess with physical media a little more. Um, you'll stream something on a on a service, and sometimes you notice there's some aliasing. Like say say if you're watching a black scene, like a scene in the dark, and the and the the, the blacks don't look quite as good as yeah. they could look. It's not your fault. It's not your TV's fault. A lot of the times, it's typically the streaming service. It, it, the bit rate is is low. So uh, it, it basically typically is a smaller uh, movie that's upscaled to your TV screen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can compromise the, the picture. So I had this idea. So we have 4K TVs. Why don't I start getting things that are a little higher quality, uncompressed sound, uncompressed video. And the thing is so worth it. <laughs> And, and I'm not saying if you if you if you're not into like collecting things, rent it from the library, <laughs> you know, get it from Target on a on a sale. This is worth seeing. You have never seen this movie with this level of sharpness. And you think that since a movie is from the the, the 80s, that it would be not as crispy as it as it is, but it is crisp. It is Ooh, it's crispy. It was crispy. Ooh, it is beautiful. When crispy. those monsters come out. Ah! Mm, you feel it. You no, you'll, feel you'll it see here. stuff that you haven't seen before too. Like yes, I, I know man. with Black Christmas, I just watching the Blu-ray, and I, mm-hmm. I had I had watched it on streaming. Or am I getting this? There was some. There was some point where I watched an HD, like a new transfer of that, and it was mm-hmm. like a true HD. It wasn't like an upscaled HD. Right, right. It may have been on a streamer, but still, it was like it was a a, a copy that I had not seen before. And um, right. I'm, I feel like it must have been my Blu-ray copy, but uh, but I was just shocked at like things I could see in the background and details that I had not seen before. And I was like, oh yeah, you don't think about what you're missing a lot of the time when you just go to whatever the streaming service is and watch, you know, like you know some movie that looks pretty good because it's HD. And you're like, well, this is about as good as like you said, Ronald, this movie from the '80s, like Black Christmas, is from 1974, and right, it, it right. can still look better. You know, it can still be yeah. more uh, attractive to your eyes. So, no, I think that uh, and the thing, yeah, what a great movie to see in that format yeah. because it is like both the sort of limits of the technology and the beauty of what they were able to do. That, like, you watch that movie now and you see just the. It's like one of those movies that feels like it's the height of of a certain kind of practical effects, yeah. for, especially for the genre, especially for horror. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Like you forget. You mean you see Wilford Brimley's like hair on his chest, like you could see it kind of moving in the wind. It's just crazy how detailed it is. It's worth seeing, especially. You haven't you lived have a, until you've seen that. You haven't lived, <laughs> especially when you have those nice TVs. I, I keep saying this, but you have those nice TVs. Spoil yourself every once in a while. Rent one. I, you know you don't have to buy it. Go to like Redbox or something. Get a 4K UHD film and look at it. It is transformative. And this, the second one that I saw was Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you why I stepped up to, to the physical media. You know, it came out on Disney Plus 
And I kept hearing on Reddit, you know, the 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 nerds. Well, it's not quite as clear if you watch it. The 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 Atmos sound is not quite as good in the the channel distribution and the highs and the lows. And I and I I was like, okay. I, did we get did we get the rights to play that audio from Reddit? <laughs> I, yeah, I just stole the audio. If you're from listening Reddit, to this, yeah. it might you might think Ronald did that voice, but that, he actually has <laughs> audio. It's the new audio from, version right. of Reddit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, it's, it's, early, it's, it's, early, in, it's early. It's in beta right now. <laughs> it's in beta. Text to speech, just yeah. But if you want to experience uh, Black Widow at home, and you want it, you know, Disney Disney Plus, the version of it is really nice. So I'd say if you wanna if you wanna step up your game, get it on either Apple, or if if you don't if you want to get a physical copy, get it from Redbox or something and watch it. It is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Uh, if you have a good sound bar, it's, it's going to sound amazing. It has Atmos. And it actually, not the best Atmos, but it really does sound really good. The, the front channels, lots of gunshots, lots of the dialogue isn't like crazy with the explosions. It's, 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 it's a tough, it's a nice little mix. Disney is weird, man. Like, I, I feel like every time I watch, now, can I ask you guys a question? When you watch something on Disney Plus, do you have to crank it up? I think so. Yeah. I have to crank it. Everything that I watch on Disney Plus, I have to. I just watched What If. I had to crank it up to like normally a twenty for for like Hulu and, and Netflix. On on Disney Plus, I typically have to put it on like a thirty thirty five for it to, for me to hear the audio and not lean into it. That's weird. Yeah, I feel like that's something in the platforms because I do notice that and that's not necessarily with Disney plus, but I just noticed that like when, when you go between like Netflix and Hulu or even on Hulu between the programming and the commercials, yeah, yeah. like it, the, the, the sound of it's that insane. stuff is so inconsistent, yeah. but yeah, I don't, yeah. yeah, that's a side, side note, insane. but yeah. Yeah. But definitely worth checking out 4k UHD. Beautiful. And the last one I'm going to talk about is a, uh, Dario Argento. Am I saying that right? Dario Argento. D Dario Argento. Dario Argento. I think so. Yeah. Um, okay, so this man it could be Dario. Is I don't know. <laughs> uh, Just say Dario. Dario. Okay, and I also need help with this genre, <laughs> this genre pronunciation. I think, I think you got it right. I think you said it right. Jello. It's Jello. Are you wait? Are you saying Jello? Like do I <laughs> no, want Jello? 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 Oh, Jello. I think it's Giallo. I think you kind of Giallo. put a little spin on it. Oh, or maybe it's okay. you know, I'll 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 look up for the but you, why don't you talk about it? I'll, okay. So I'll, Dario Argento look him up. Dario Argento is the godfather of this genre of film. So think like horror mystery, POV uh sort of uh view. Kind of use you've you've seen it a lot in like Friday the Thirteenth and used in the earlier Nightmare on Elm Streets and stuff like that. Um, there's normally investigation. There's normally a lot of women getting killed and one person trying to figure out who this mass murderer is. So this is like a very popular genre that started in I'd say like the the '60s is when it really started to kick off. Suspiria is is one one of his more popular. Uh, movies of the genre and it, and it will kind of relate to the main movie that we're going to talk about uh, where uh, it, it's kind of an homage to to this sort of genre of film but I saw 
the bird with the crystal plumage, which is essentially uh, this Italian city where these women are murdered by a masked man and there's an investigator um, trying to solve the murder. It's interesting because some of the dialogue is in English. Some of the people are speaking English. Some people are speaking Italian. Some people are speaking other languages and they're all speaking their language, but they, you could tell there's, there's, there's some dubbing, but you can read the lips and see that they're not, you know, they're all speaking different languages. It's very interesting. Right. And I think that's how we shot it. He, Dario was one of those guys that was like, if this person's good, it doesn't matter what language they speak. They're going to speak their language in the movie and we'll just add subtitles if need be. Um, it's a, it's a 4K UHD, uh, and, it, and I think it comes from a a, a, fork, uh, a 2K um, digital, comes from a digital uh, source. Yeah, a 2K digital intermediate. Uh, and this is gorgeous, man. Like, if, if you want to see an old movie look gorgeous, Arrow, look no further than Arrow, a UK company that is just pumping out these incredible restorations, physical media at its best. Um, that's my third man, but yeah, Jallo. It's Jallo. Jallo. Okay, it's so. Jallo, and I, 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 I think you had the name correctly too. I think it's just Dario. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Dario Argento and Jallo. Uh, horror films and, and <laughs> <laughs> i just want to say that the little pronunciation thing that i played uh was doing like a real authentic thing so it was like dario Ar <laughs> argento um but, so you could do that thing that newscasters sometimes do with like a spanish name where they really they really you know spanish yeah. out on it um Jeez. but anyway yes uh bird with the crystal uh, plumage is one of those movies that people talk about when they talk about like proto slasher proto modern yeah. thriller it's one of those that when you see it yeah it's i mean it's worth seeing for that alone but it also is very i mean i can only imagine this a, a beautiful transfer of it is is nice to look at but his colors were always kind of he always had kind of almost like a gaudy or he could go there with the kind of bright colors and the and, yeah. and things that are kind of garish and and i don't know that yeah that definitely is like a formative movie for the horror genre in a way. Um, yeah. It's just one of those ones that people name check when they talk about the, the movies that came before what we think of as like the traditional kind of modern horror, American horror slasher type film. Those movies were sort of, you know, floating yeah. around out there. They, they, they all have a little piece of what would later become part of the genre. And yeah. he was definitely one of the kind of inventors of, yeah. of some of that stuff. If you watch these movies, if you watch his movies, you see like all the influence in like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even some of the some of the, like POV views, you know, just kind of like <laughs> he's a big, big fan of watching someone gets the 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 murderer stabbing and the victim kind of reacting and then blood going everywhere. And right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So like, it, it takes some getting used to. I'd say if you want to start off crazy, go Suspiria, because I, 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 you know, I've I've kind of grown to love that movie. Um, didn't really like the new one. In fact, I love to see Steve Squirm as that movie played. It just was it just was unbearable. <laughs> it was an unbearable movie. But specifically watching Steve melt down beside me, <laughs> he was like losing his <laughs> shit. It's a terrible. It's definitely, it's, it's definitely one that we'll always remember. It's an awful remake, but the the original is definitely worth checking out. And uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's my physical media review. Check those three out. The thing I check, I'd make a priority, make that a priority. If, especially if you haven't seen it before, or if you haven't seen it in a while. So yeah, man. And weren't you Do kind of, up. you were yeah. kind of, you were kind of segueing into a uh, malignant. I wanted to hear yes. how that was going to go. Okay. So it's been said that the film that we're going to cover is a homage to this uh, genre of movie. Um, you know, everywhere that I looked when I saw the early reviews, they're just like, you know, Dario homage, Jalo homage. And this is this this seems to be an homage to that genre. This is James Wan's Malignant, um, a HBO Max theater simultaneous release that came out last week um, and has been met with a lot of controversy, man. I think this film is it, it kind of people are kind of on the fence about it it's and like an actual conversation piece you know every now and then really one of these is. movies comes out and you can find people hating is. it for the same reason that other people love it you know it's like and that's you can tell when that's like part of the movie itself is yeah. that some people are reacting to the very same thing in a negative light that other people are saying oh my god i loved that about this yeah, movie so right. yeah and that just makes it like yeah i couldn't wait to talk to you guys about this movie but you should get us yeah. started steve what would you would you deem it controversial or just like conversational? I'd say controversial. I would say I'd divisive. Say, really? Okay. I'd I would say, say divisive. Yeah, I'd say divisive. I say controversial just because, like, I think sometimes when people <sighs> horror films sometimes have a one size fits all, specifically for like the more popular films. James Wan's film is going for something very specific, and and if you if you aren't on board. I feel like you'll be tortured for two hours. Right. You know, yeah, no, the reason I, the reason I ask is like that, that, that line of thought is accurate. I agree with you. Mm. And I think that like, it's kind of a, well, what makes it even more, no, I don't want to say shocking. Cause like, I'm probably on the side that like, you know, enjoyed the movie more than most people did. And I feel like what's a little more shocking about it is like what you're describing just now about like the, the feelings of certain horror films is that like, mm. James Wan is kind of like a poster boy for a lot of those movies. Like yes. you look at what he's done yeah. and like, you know, what he's done to Shepard, like Saw and Insidious and The Conjuring, like all these, I mean, I don't know what each of them has done, but billions of dollars, the box office and, you know, uh, a lot of mainstream moviegoers, like, you know, some, if you asked, if you ask 10 people, like what's your favorite, like horror movie of the past 10 years, there's a really good chance that somebody, <laughs> A lot of people will say something maybe from one of those three franchises, especially yeah. the mainstream audiences. So I think that's that's even more that's what makes this more of a conversation. I think uh, you know is the fact that it is from James Wan, who yeah. has made you know some of the more popular and some of the better horror movies of the last ten plus years, and uh, you know is one of definitely one of the most successful filmmakers working today. And I think. I think that is kind of what afforded him the opportunity to make this movie to begin with. Obviously. Oh, definitely. You definitely. know, especially this is coming a... off of like, you know, a billion dollar Aquaman movie and, you know, you know, doing, uh, what did he do? Furious seven. Furious seven. Did he do seven. Yeah. Definitely. I think he did the seven, the one, the one that was the one that Paul Walker passed away during, but I mean, you know, this guy's made billions of dollars for these studios and, you know, specifically WB, you know, he's done a lot with them, um, with the horror genre and uh, with Aquaman. So 
Yeah. You know, we talked about this a lot over the last, you know, year, even like talking about these movies that were coming day and date, him, him having a movie to be one of them. Um, and just kind of being, you know, we talk about James Wan, we talk about, you know, Mike Flanagan, you know, we talk about, uh, who's our other horror Jordan Peele, uh, you know, the, the, these directors in the genre space that we just love. And like, it's just immediately you're just like, yeah, I'm going to watch it, whether it's it's good. I, yeah. We'll figure that out. But like, I've already bought my ticket for these movies. So um, I think that's really what makes it so interesting because it does feel like a bit of a flex, you know, for somebody being able to make whatever they wanted to make because of box office success from prior movies. And like, you know, obviously he's heavily influenced by these movies, um, you know, this genre that you're describing. And, you know, there's been traces of it in some of his other movies too. And I think what's also interesting is that like whatever homage this is to that genre, this movie also is really a James Wan movie still as well. Yeah. Like there's so much of this movie that really made me feel like a lot of like saw was like, I felt like was all over this movie. To the yeah. point of like, I mean, again, and we're going to talk spoilers later. So don't, don't worry folks. We, yeah, we might yeah, refer to yeah. the tone of this movie. We might say mm. something like about the third act, having some crazy stuff in it, but we're not going to say any right. more than that. But I would say that this movie, like, and to the point where I'm actually wrestling with, I don't know how much of this movie is self-parody, like deliberate <laughs> self-parody, right. because right. so much of this stuff is the James Wan stuff kind of amped up. Like, And there right. are, are weird little improbable things. Like there's like an establishing shot of this uh, uh, old hospital. I think it's an old hospital. That's like a fucking Transylvanian right. castle, yeah. you know? And the yeah. opening scene is like something out of, I don't know, like... Uh, like Dark Man or something. I mean, there's just this. There's these weird or like uh, the the Doc Ock scenes with the Operation yeah, Room like and Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi yeah, kind yeah, of feel. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just kind of feel like this movie is sort of all over the place. And I'm not like I'm not taking anything away from James Wan to say though that there's no trace of that kind of prankster playfulness necessarily in his earlier movies. I think that what we saw before was his glee with like amping things up and surprising people. And like you said, whether you like Saw or not. That movie kind of defined horror for a certain number of years. Insidious, yeah. a movie that I think I like a lot more now than I did when it first came out, but um, definitely set the tone for a certain kind of of movie and also was very successful in its own right. And then you have uh, The Conjuring films, which is like a mega franchise, you know? So obviously he does have these ways of like seeing where the genre is going, but what he's made here is a movie that like... <sighs> Mar is marketed to get you in the door as this is the next James Wan exploration of horror. And what he's actually yeah. presenting is something that I think it's almost hilarious how much like traditional horror fans could be put off by like how, oh, yeah. how this movie goes. This movie does not really try to scare you. I think there are a couple oh. of moments that play pretty scary, but outside of that, it made me think much more of the sort of quasi-thriller action mixture that you got, like in Lee Wanell's uh, Invisible Man movie. In fact, it has a lot in common with that movie in a certain way, plot-wise. There's certain beats. But it, it's so much so that I felt like this movie was doing an amped-up self-parody that even my own reaction the first time through of going like, I don't know if I'm buying this, this is kind of silly, or this is kind of dumb, or whatever, and then going, but there were little hints of them, just them knowing what they're doing i don't know i think that i think there are certain things that didn't work for me about this thing and certain things that did but it's definitely an like it's a james wan movie through and through 
it's an interesting movie for James Wan to make because he could be burning up some of his like straight horror cred with the people yeah. who kind of came into this wanting either another Conjuring or another Insidious, you know? Right. Um, if you right. if you were careful, you you did notice like this trailer though did hold back that the way this film was marketed it really just sold you on James Wan sold you on certain imagery so you knew there was something coming some twist some surprise and then I think this movie is like oh you wanted like a twist and a surprise well we'll keep I mean things that you might have been able to guess and especially if like me you've read a lot of horror fiction there like there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens in horror fiction that they never put in horror movies because in order for audiences to stay like bought into it, you kind of have to cut down on a certain amount of schlocky kind of crazy stuff. Right. But this goes into right. that zone. It's kind of like the way Matrix, when it came out, if you were a sci-fi fan, you already knew about the kind of brain in a jar uh, philosophy of like a false reality, and you don't know what your yeah. physical being is actually doing. I think this movie takes certain things that like horror fans might be familiar with though and like thrusts it into this it's a 40 million dollar movie. I mean this is not a cheap movie. This is a James Wan movie. This is totally the movie they let you make if you're in between Aquamans for a big studio and they're like, "Yeah, go have yeah. fun." Because this movie really doesn't seem like it's I mean, I don't know. I could I don't I haven't heard anything about the cinema score, but this seems like the kind of movie that could have a really low cinema score simply because the the trailer plays it straight and the movie is not <laughs> it's not straight down the middle at all. <clears throat> you looking that yeah, up? I think it was a, a yeah. I think it had a C cinema score. Okay, so there you go. Which is not as bad as it could have been. Right. I mean, like, yeah. but you know, you've got Hereditary and like movies like that that got like D's or whatever right. it was, like like historically like low. But I mean, just a, a quick note. Let's also just pay some respect because Insidious is the start of this podcast. I know. I always. I, that's one of you know. Crazy. I've. I've there's one. It all starts with Insidious. There's yeah. one scare in that in that that I've always thought was great. The the monster behind the crib, um, and I've come to terms with other things about it. I think I like all the actors in it more now than I did when that movie came. I don't know. There's just something about certain movies. You know, you're you've yeah you've come towards them in your aesthetic or your you know your. I think I would enjoy that one more now. I also think Malignant, even though like I said, it didn't necessarily work for me overall. I also thought, man, this would have been so much more fun in a crowded theater. Rather yeah. than sitting there watching it with my wife, who admittedly is not that much of a horror fan. And so her reaction yeah. a lot of time is like, uh, you know, kind of the questions I'm saying about that this movie's going to make you ask, even if you are a horror yeah, fan, yeah, yeah. which is, is this trying to be funny? Is this trying to be goofy? Like, uh, and I also think that some better acting in a couple of places would have would have helped. I found the lead very uh, very dreary, and I just didn't think she just yeah. didn't really register for me. And I also thought the two cops... The, the 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 female cop was a little bit better, but the, I, there was just it just felt half baked. All the stuff with the cops at the station. In fact, the way the cops come in and the conversations they had, it felt like a, a like a ten year old's idea of what cops would say when they come into a crime scene. It's like, is he our guy? Looks like it's our guy. Boy, I've kind of got a crush yeah. on you. Oh, you. I mean, it just was. It just felt silly. And I, you know, I think you can have silliness in a schlocky movie like this. I'm just saying. I think had the acting been like really good, a lot of those elements would have just been amazing in a movie that's willing to go there because this movie is really i mean you you seem to know what i mean about the genre stuff steve it's like it's really yeah. not trying to hit the usual notes that this type of movie tries to hit and it does feel like i mean like there is a question of like intent and, yeah. and, and whether some and i i mean i kind of feel like i fall on like the intentional piece like i i really do feel like some of this feels pretty intentional like uh really kind of playing into the genre that ronald's given us the history on it's like 
some of those movies in this genre really do feel like this movie does like, you know, very like poor acting and like overacting and, you know, like the, even like some of the, the, the blocking and the, the shot setups are kind of like, not like what you normally see in some of James Wan's movies, even though you still do hear and feel like his voice in this film. Um, I don't know. I kind of have come just kind of like coming away from it for a few days. I'm just like, I, I've, I've kind of settled into like, it feeling like those movies that I would pull off of a shelf in a video store, like, because it had a cool cover and I'm like, wow, that's like kind of like not a great movie, but I kind of really dug it. Right. And I, I don't know that I'm that high on this, but I'm definitely not in the idea of like, that was like horrible or like, I, you know, this divisiveness that we mentioned earlier, like that you can see on film Twitter or wherever you're looking. Um, I definitely kind of fall more towards the middle positive <laughs> side of it of like, I definitely had fun watching the movie. That's yeah. for sure. I've seen and, so many people uh, say that they laughed and that they were like, "What the hell?" Like that. I mean, they, again, yeah. you would love it. Would it would have been really fun with a crowd? Like you know, even yeah, not loving definitely. it, I thought, "Oh wow, this would have been fun." These moments you could just hear people reacting to some of these scenes. I'm sure we'll talk about them yeah. in a second when we get into spoilers. But like those those beats that feel like that must have been what they were going for. You know, <laughs> like that kind of roller coaster ride effect. Ronald, how does this fit into the uh, Jello, Jello, Jello uh, genre? It, it's it fits right in. So here's here's my <laughs> thing. I thought I was gonna hate this movie, and something right. else I, happened. I, I could tell. Yeah, something I, else <laughs> happened. Like halfway through, there's no way that a guy with with such a sure hand could make a movie like this and not intentionally make some of this campy. Like it just. Right. I kind of feel it felt so camp- like so campy that it get it, it became so fun and her acting was it, it felt intentionally kind of like we need you to be like the you know intense eyes always always like colorless in the middle of everything being very colored I fucking had a ball with this movie I would show this movie to anyone if they wanted just the just a bunch of laughs, uh, some adventure. The physicality of of the villain in this movie is unreal. Like, yeah. like I heard that they use practical effects. They got like a a couple, two or three people that could actually move like that. So yeah. it, there were parts where I'm like, that's that's not CGI because like, you know, there's a part where the villain kind of goes into a hole that doesn't yeah. look like CGI. And I'm like, I know I know the way light hits CGI. Yeah, that that stuff was cool unreal um then there was the blocking in some of the shots where like she's running around in the mo- mo- film and it almost feels like uh almost feels like the royal tenenbaums like it's it's blocked out like some of his movies like it's like i i, I just thought that some parts of it were so fucking fun man like I, I thought I would hate this movie. I, it felt like I should have hated it. And then in the end, I'm like, the third act, because I, I, I just felt a little over the top, especially the deaths just felt too crazy. Like, it was like, it's like if you were watching a comedy and someone was describing somebody getting hurt, like the stabs were like, like yeah, what? Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. come on, like, this is, this is nuts. It's nuts the way these people are dying. Yeah, the brutality I, of that, I thought, was like, yeah. that was one of the few things that really felt Jalo to me, was like, yeah, yeah. the brutality, the sudden, like, the the, the kind of, like, mutilation of the people, yeah. the sort of, like, the, the, 
the killer with like a black gloved hand with a knife, all that stuff felt very, very jollo. Yeah. I don't, I feel like it was missing that color palette that we were talking about. Yes. And it was missing I, some, I of that, some of that kind of art direction, but it did have that controlled style and certain rooms mm. seemed like they were set up for the sort of set pieces they became. Like the police station definitely felt like <laughs> the police a, station in like an Italian, like in one of those Jalo movies. I mean, yeah. where it's like, why is the why is the set direction so interesting here? Or why is yeah. this art direct? Like this is one of those, it's like almost like something on the television show Hannibal or something where it's yeah. like, this is not meant to look like a real police station. But then when you see what that room is going to be used for later in the movie, you go, oh, they were kind of giving us this big wide open space because there's a set piece coming. Um, which again, that's that James Wan thinking, I think. He, he loves to, he loves to do as much as he can with the space, and even in this one, almost to an absurd level. That house really made no sense. The layout of that house, <laughs> like when she falls through the attic. Well, I'm not going to say anything more. <laughs> Here's another thing. Uh, a real question before we spoil anything: Did the villain have a black belt? Some kind of thing. Some kind of uh, skill did the, set. Did the villain have a black? Did the was the villain Bruce Lee? Something like was that. Was the villain Jetly? Did you know you didn't see the end of the movie? It was none of those people. It was, some, <laughs> it was something different than that. I don't want to spoil it for you, Ron. You should man, go watch it before we talk for about it. For real, the- man. Like, I fucking love this movie. Oh, wow. I should not have loved it. I At the end, Steve and John, I was like, <laughs> I went upstairs and talked to Aaron, and I was like, I want to spoil this movie for you so bad, <laughs> but it was so crazy <laughs> from start I, to finish. We had like it was so fun to watch. It's like fun. Aaron watched it. With, Aaron watched it with me uh, when like we watched it Saturday night, and like the whole time she was like, she would did not want to watch it. Like she does not love watching <laughs> yeah, yeah. horror with me, especially like later at night. She gets really scared. But like, she, and it, like John said, it's not really that scary. But I mean, she definitely was like pretty into the movie like the whole time we were like guessing she was guessing and like yeah. and and you know some of the commentary that we're saying now like that that looks weird or was that <laughs> is supposed to look weird like that why 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 are they parking on the side of a cliff like that oh that car you know, that like pulls the, up to the edge yeah. of the matte painting it stops like right <laughs> on the edge see that's what i mean though that feels like yeah. they, they have that's they have to be like in yeah. in the yeah. room where they're doing yeah. they're compositing that shot someone has to be like you know sometimes as a joke we put together this really exaggerated composition that right. doesn't look right. and it's like because there's no reason to ever do that with your car but yes no no that, that's a great example no of what i'm talking about that i yeah. think you yeah. could say that yeah. that can't be an accident because you have to do that i think already though people are giving too much i mean my one thing would be i don't think it bugs me when like you can't say a criticism about a movie and without someone going oh i think that acting was supposed to be intentionally bad that bugs me because it's like no i think the version of the movie that had a more dynamic lead would have been better it would have been more it would have been more what this is trying to be i don't think there's any reason why you would say let's have a lead that is a a vacuum of charisma i I don't ever think you would do that intentionally And let's get some sort of amateur community theater folks to play the cops. I don't think yeah. you would do that unless, and you know, his um, new gal pal, his uh, girlfriend, his wife, is, right? is a wife. I didn't know that, but anyway, she's like got a story credit, and she's the one of the like the forensics person who comes. Yeah, into, they write. They wrote the bones of the script apparently, like well, together. But, 
But I mean, it's a total nepotism thing because her character is strangely written and, strangely and poorly acted and doesn't really have a place in the movie. That stuff was really clunky as hell for me. However, the stuff we're talking about that's like the those those James Wan camera moves, those that aerial shot of the house where she's walking around and you're just kind of getting yeah. hypnotized almost by it. Like it doesn't even make sense to lay the scenes out that way, but it, that's part of that giallo thing too. Yeah. Don't you think, Ronald? The, yeah, the, there's yeah, like absolutely. excess. It's like, yeah. let's be excessive. Let's be excessive with the violence. Violence. Let's in Jalo frequently you're excessive with the sexuality too, which yeah. nowadays you don't really see in horror movies. But like, yeah, there's there's something about also the way this movie. Another thing that that tips you off to the the self parody, the satirical aspect that her she doesn't just have an abusive husband; she has the most cartoonishly brutish, yes, uh, abusive husband. <laughs> That's ever been. He like in shorthand <laughs> yeah. within five minutes. He's done yeah. fifteen horrible things. Yeah, you know, and so dirty shirt. He has a dirty shirt. He's like super aggressive. He's like, laying around ah. watching the game. He whatever he says to her about like she's had miscarriages, and he says something like, "How many of my babies are going to have to die inside you?" And it's like, and then he yeah. throws her against the wall and shit. I mean, it's like I'm not saying that's <laughs> funny, but I'm saying the over the topness of that is so like what we're talking about. That's the kind of shit this movie tries to pull. That's like. Okay, you can tell they're not operating with the usual yeah, yeah. rules. There's there's a part in the movie where there's an investigation happening after the chaos happens, and the cop asks her about the about the miscarriages in front of her, like she isn't there. She's just like, yeah. So she, she I heard she's had three miscarriages. Is that, what? She's just laying down the bed. What? It just. That stuff has that stuff has to be intentional, man. Like, I, I don't think that he would just do he would make all these brilliantly put together movies. And then one, he's just like, no, nah, I'm going to make this. As I mean, as you know, you never I, I do think directors can it. get to that point where nobody's second guessing them, though, and they get to make a movie that doesn't go through the usual whatever. But that's true, too. That's yeah. true. But yeah. I, I mean, I think until we see uh, uh, James Wan in interviews talking about this movie and, you know, hearing stories about the making of it, I think that's when you'll determine like is like is, right. is, is it like a a Tommy Wiseau situation where it's like now that he, he knows people think it's funny, he's going to start to say um Oh, I meant for it to be funny. But, you know, I think I think James Wan is a pretty direct guy. The only thing that I think is very interesting is that notion I expressed earlier is like, what does this do to like his name as a straight horror guy? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't give a shit about that anymore. But or maybe he knows he gets to make his movies regardless, because at this point, if he wants to go off and make a 20 million dollar horror film, he can do it. You know, no one's going to stop him. Right. But it is interesting that the studio played along and played it so straight with the marketing and everything that even the commercials didn't tip their hand and say, like, this is crazy. This is wacky. This is wild. You know, they all tried to play it like this is the scariest yeah. movie you've ever seen. Like, at least all the press I saw was like scary as hell and all that stuff, you know? And the weird stuff is, is that like, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. Like, they didn't screen it. And, you know, you wonder did they not screen it because like they didn't like think the reviews would be good or they wanted to try to preserve some of the twists or, you know, the, the real movie that was going to be, you know, released. <laughs> but, but also it's kind of weird that like, you know, you, you like you just kind of were saying, John, like, him talking about it, like I, like he didn't really do much press for this movie at all. Like there wasn't really much press at all, and he usually is pretty visible when some of his movies are coming out, um, whether it's you know interviews or you know feature articles or podcasts, whatever. Um, he usually kind of is is seen a bit because uh, he kind of is his own brand. You know, he's not just uh, yeah. some directors who kind of fade into the back. Like he's out there sometimes. Um, 
So yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. Like there's a, like a, a little featurette that he does. He's in on the HBO Max mm-hmm. playlist at the end. You can watch. It's very brief. But I mean, like that's the extent of like anything I've seen him talking about this movie, mm-hmm. um, which I would like to see some more. But I haven't really seen many things that he's done in terms of interviews, just flat out discussing the production or you know the intent or you know what his goal was with the movie. But um, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's probably what we can say, you know, before going into spoilers. I mean, I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I mean, I think, you know, with the expectation that, you know, this is not a straight, like Ronald mentioned at the top, like I, I don't feel like really anybody should, you know, go in thinking that it's like a straightforward, like new slasher horror epic that, you know, I, you know, if, if you listen to this podcast and like, you know, anything that we're saying sounds interesting, like definitely check it out. And I mean, I would still, I would still be curious to recommend to people just to have a discussion about it with them afterwards. Like just, just for the good conversation, which yeah. is what I was saying earlier. Like this is like a guaranteed conversation. Like, you know, it's not just like, did you like it? Oh, me too. Yeah. End of conversation. Yeah. There's no it's going to be like, a, it's going to be a 10, 15 minute uh, talk after you talk to anybody who's seen it probably. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, you know, it's something I would definitely recommend checking out. Um, but yeah, when I first guys, saw it, would my, you guys recommend it? Or my initial reaction absolutely. was was uh, you know if if it had those better elements, the better acting, the sharper script, then I would be like recommending it to people as like a really fun kind of supernatural slasher type thing. But I think now that I've seen more people reacting to it, and I've seen so many people have latched onto the campy aspect of it, I, I would kind of up right. it to where you said, Steve. Too, I would say if you're a genre fan, you probably should check this one out because people yeah. are going to be talking yeah. about it, and you kind of you sort of you need to have an opinion about it, but but I also think that I've 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 been impressed to see how many people at least have reported you know that that experience that you guys said of like almost like in disbelief, laughing, enjoying this movie. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah. There's like a there's a thing that I think can sometimes happen with people. I mean, none of you have expressed this. Where like sometimes you talk to people about movies and it seems like they're too good for a movie like this. Like it's too good to enjoy a movie that might not be the, like, it, it's not going to be like on your top 10 list necessarily. It might be on right. mine. Yeah. It might be on mine just because I could put this, I could bring people around to watch this movie and we will all be screaming. Right. <laughs> as we watch it. That's, that's yeah. the thing. Like, have we forgotten sometimes that that's what brings us to movies is the feeling that you feel when you watch it and not that is it high is it high art you know like sure i love that yeah stuff. i love fucking artsy movies but like hey 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 let's acknowledge you are mr824 yeah I'm, okay look i i'm gonna i every time the shirt Every time the shirt is in stock, it sells they, out. They have they have the, the merch drop. Yeah. I want the I want the damn t-shirt. I am Mr. A24. I, we need to do this episode because more movies have come out at this point. Green Knight and Zola and stuff, but I love artsy movies. And this is fun as fuck. Like I are we getting into spoilers? Let's are do we, it. Uh, let's take a bye to our listeners who haven't seen the movie yet and don't want I'm to so have sorry. it spoiled for them. You have to go watch it and come back or do what I suspect a lot of people do. Just listen to the spoilers anyway because <laughs> because they're here for us, not for these fucking films. Yeah, yeah. yeah so-called yeah. films. <laughs> um, or they just gave up on like, I'm not going to watch this movie. I, I right. didn't even tell me everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so like I think 
the opening of this movie tips you off that there's some kind of monster or creature yeah. or something. You can see right, something right. through the, the plastic that's hanging there, and you mm -hmm. never forget that. I think that that's another reason this movie plays on that level of letting you know that it's a little bit heightened, at least. Because yeah. it yeah. doesn't start with the abusive husband and the dreary household and all that shit with the impossible four plan um, and the attic that opens up onto the the den that is basically straight up did you notice how high the ceiling was in that room yes. that she falls anyway um, everything was so big in that house like it was obviously big to shoot yeah like but it was she must have been a millionaire so yeah I, no it's very I strange I like, this the is a million dollar house yeah. easily this is like a <laughs> but on the outside very quaint but anyway so it opens with that yeah. scene that i think really was there to say sort of tip off that this movie is playing with these kind of b-movie the schlockiness of the monster behind the curtain and the scientists saying we've got to stop it and all that stuff. It didn't, it didn't even play that as straight as it could have. It could have played it like stranger things level kind of straight. Right. It didn't right. do that. It didn't try to make that creepy at all. Um, so that is letting you know, but then the movie does throw you into this, what we might think is kind of a James Wan, not just the James Wan heroine in the kind of story, but like mm -hmm. the the opening sequence, even the opening credits, I don't know how much that was, but it felt very much like, uh, you know, a 90s going into 2000s kind of, I don't know if you noticed that, the style of the, yeah, the music yeah. and everything. And then they have throughout the movie, a slowed down, eerie version of... Uh, that theme. Of the uh, Where's My Mind, the, the Pixies yeah. song, or at least that's what it kept yeah. sounding like to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, are they doing that as a self-knowing thing too? Because that's kind of a cliche in these movies is to take up a rock song and slow it down and make it eerie. So I was thinking from the beginning, like this movie is is something different. But even though I never forgot the monster behind the, the curtain, I was sort of, I keep saying impressed <laughs> about this movie, but it really did like, oh, they're going there when it comes to what the creature actually is, where the creature actually resides. You might have guessed there was something going on like that, that like, but I feel like when you discovered, why don't you tell us, Ronald, what is, who, who's the killer? This is a whodunit. You were talking about one of the traits of a giallo is trying to figure out who did it. That's an early yes. slasher trope too. Who is it? We find out close to the end, right? Who the killer is, and it's... Can I tell you who I thought it was first? Yes. I thought yes. it was just a twin. I thought this. Yeah. I thought this was like a, a a situation where an adoption situation. One got <laughs> one got adopted. Separated. One yeah, yeah. The separated at birth. I mean, you're but, right. It, it, in the Obi Wan Kenobi sense of from a certain point of view, you know, it is yes. it is a twin. <laughs> but little did we know, this person existed on her back. There was a person. I essentially residing in a she had, she had a teratoma and like in she real life the teratoma is when you have like a cyst and it's yeah. got your it's got the twin that you absorbed in it and it, it'll have sometimes like teeth or eyelashes or hair growing inside the cyst it's gross but this movie's <laughs> view of that is well no. that, what if a teratoma was like a little it's kind of like Belial from the fr film uh, basket case too i don't know if people yes. are familiar with that but it's a very similar plot arc as far as how that's handled. But yes, yeah. it's the twin that was attached and now has been removed, or maybe they haven't been removed. Where, where, where's this twin been hiding all this time, Ronald? Basically tucked in her head, essentially, right? <laughs> yeah. They like cut in off her, her, in, her, in, in her, her brain, brain and have been controlling her thoughts. 
So I love the shot of them pushing the brain. There's a, when they're explaining yes. it. There's a, there's like a side <laughs> shot of them like squeezing the brain. But like we just place, we just we couldn't remove it all. With what some was crazy glue? It yeah. was like the eyes or some of the facial features of the twin, the vestigial yeah. twin. We couldn't remove those without removing parts of your brain because it's yeah. grown into your brain. So that yeah, just like boop, like someone trying to tuck. Like it's that thing where like you're putting sh- sheets back in a drawer, but you're not folding them. Yes. You're just kind of stuffing them. <laughs> or like Christmas where you realize oh shit i don't have enough wrapping paper to go all the way around the box so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna gonna press this in and then kind of (laughs) i'm gonna do a uh, like a a wrapping paper graft uh, on top of this yeah but so so, and we didn't realize we saw the triggering incident of this when when her when her abusive husband throws her against the wall we didn't realize in the movie we were watching the moment when this happens, yeah. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. That's that, pretty like, cool. Because after that, very shortly after that, is when is when Gabriel, who also for some reason can magically talk to you through the radios and make uh, lights flicker. Yeah. <laughs> That's there's so no explanation funny. of that part, There's right? There's no explanation for it. He's just a mutant. Well, he also has super strength. Don't they allude yes. to that later? That he's been like absorbing strength and she's able to use his yeah. strength. That, that that ties into your is he Bruce Lee gently yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. because Chan, like, the training like, that he, he just he just is he just is also very weird when when Gabriel kind of went crazy in the hospital and she's trying to talk the sister's trying to talk to the cop she's like look her husband slammed her head against the wall and Gabriel, yeah <laughs> how did she know that Gabriel how does she know that Gabriel got activated? How could she ever have yeah. known? She 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 guessed the plot of the entire situation right there in the hospital and kind of just gave it to us. And little did we know, the nasty, gruesome thing that we were watching in the beginning credits was the surgery of him being removed from mm. her body. That's what it was because they played yeah. it back later on in, in the movie. All those weird so, close-ups and like fleshy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Again, a very, really a very cool. like I feel like every movie had kind of a disgusting opening credit sequence like that. While like mm. maybe it was after seven or some movie influenced everybody to have like enigmatic, creepy close-ups of kind of, you know, disturbing shit. So uh that felt like a throwback too. <clears throat> and and when Gabriel comes from her head, the hair from the back of her head kind of drapes over Gabriel and looks very scary and he has like a kind of scowl to us you can't really see much it just is kind of a fleshy it's just brain face he's a brain brain, brain faced boy and he's like the the awkward movements that earlier we might have wondered why does he move that way we now realize it's because he's walking back he's, he's a backwards person yeah he's a backwards person so i kind of that, that actually was cool i thought I, it was I like so that a cool lot. man I, like 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 earlier in the movie, like when you see when you when you get the when you know what's going on or you you you, you see the twist, mm-hmm. you know, and then when you see those subsequent scenes of like you know when he kind of takes her over, yeah, uh, you know, it really it like it connects the dots of like you know the those movements that you're seeing like you were describing earlier, Ron, like some of the practical stunts they did with like someone who could like recreate running backwards or like when he pulls her arms out and like almost looks like it, like they like dislocate in yeah. reverse Oof. like that that kind of stuff i thought that stuff was like actually really cool and like before again the point of that was like before you know the twist that's like an odd thing you're like well what is that like yeah. is, that, is that a creature yeah because like, you're thinking like 
is it a, like you're saying like is it a twin that's just like a slasher or is this like some supernatural creature or you know it it's just that that's a i think that's a it's a interesting decision because it does kind of keep you guessing and it kind of really contributes to that like that mystery element of like is it human non non-human supernatural whatever and uh i don't think they ever really settle on one or the other because like even though you know what it is and it's it's a pretty practical thing that you know for this movie it, it uh, sort of works but the other elements of like the radio and the power and the the kung fu and like you know uh the power the lights f- flashing up it's i mean you just you just say because so that's all because that's it's a because. horror movie and also maybe there is some suggestion that this teratoma twin had some kind of mutant powers or some kind of psychokinetic something or something it's never yeah. explained but it's like we're definitely in the realm where if you're buying all this other stuff to say oh he's also got yeah. some kind of psychic ability that can affect electricity or he can you know th- they didn't bother over explaining why he can talk through the radio so maybe we should be thankful about that to say like we accidentally threw a radio in your head too you know like they didn't try to they didn't try to explain that but i do think that yeah it it sort of works just on horror movie rules of like, yeah. well, this is just the kind of creepy shit that happens, and we're going to use radios in this movie. Um, I think the mother even makes a comment about him being like, it's a vague comment, like yeah. him being an abomination and like yeah. uh, something, some other phrase that yeah. she says that like probably in someone's mind is enough to say that'll explain why he can talk to the radio, you know, right. <laughs> like <laughs> control the lights. Uh, and but it's karate. also it's also set up for a sequel very easily. I mean, there's yes. a this this woman falls and hurts her head, and boom, Gabriel's back. So yeah. you know, and it's set up at the end. This with, time she'll be ready, right? But I mean yeah. that that is a that feels totally like a here, here comes part two kind of vibe. Oh yeah. But this movie, we should say back to our earlier discussion. You know, it it's. I feel like calling movies flops in this climate is strange, but uh, underperformed might be the word you would use. This movie yeah. underperformed at the box office in the same way that like Suicide Squad did. Um, it's just it, they were expecting more for from this thing. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm and underperformed I, on HBO Max as well. Like, oh it, really? It, I haven't it, heard those numbers. the The opening weekend had about seven hundred thousand streams, which is not good. I mean, they typically, you know, they normally aim for a million or over for over the weekend for especially a new movie. That's this uh, day and date theater HBO Max release. And it had a, a yeah. 700,000 streams, which is like a real flop. Like, unfortunately, but, it could, but, but this this is one that I feel like catches on, whether it's I think in so weeks too. or months from now, but years from now, I think this is one that really is going to yeah. have like a, a very uh, passionate following an audience that is going to champion it for a bit yeah i think it only did what five and a half million or something like that yeah um yeah that's which is bad which is bad yeah yeah but i really at some point i want to i hope that we can get james one i'm gonna i don't know how we can do it um, but I'm gonna try to get James Wan. We're gonna get James Wan on. You're here. saying you James Wan, Tim, on the show? <laughs> yes, yes. And and I I need to find out why he gave that that little man karate skills. I want to find out whose idea it was. That's really bothering to, you. To put the <laughs> so in, in the doctor's house, the the lady doctor that gets killed on her mm. mantle oh of trophies. God, there's a trophy that says excellence in John. surgery. <laughs> <laughs> another another point 
of this uh, has got this had I mean, to be intentional. I mean, again, now yeah. that we've said all these things, it's like, yeah, yeah. they seem they yeah. that's because that's like almost like an airplane movie level, like yes. of like parody. Yes. Yeah. But like there yes. are, yeah, you you have to believe that at least that kind of thinking was going into this movie. So it's like, whereas you might normally think, I think that it's a peril. I think anytime you watch a movie and you think you're smarter about the movie than the people that made the movie, it's dangerous. It might be, there are some movies that are made by people that aren't as smart as they think they are, you know? Right, right. Um, and James Wan, I think, is a smart guy who sometimes makes kind of gut-level movies that might be kind of dumb to some folks, but kind of, you know, they hit you on that level. And I think that like when he's, at his most successful, it's all those elements, his cinematic sensibility, his camera work, his everything. Um, and so, yeah, I think that you, like, there's, it's almost like you could take it two ways. He doesn't have a lot in his history to indicate that he would make a movie that was this much of a satire of what it's trying to do. But right. he also, like you said, Ronald, he hasn't made a lot of movies that are like incompetently put together. So somewhere right. between those two, somewhere in that Venn diagram, there's a movie that really could only be made by James Wan. And I think that is right. something we come back to again and again when we talk about filmmakers that we admire or the types of movies we admire. So it's yeah. almost like you can love James Wan or hate him, but you kind of have to begrudgingly tip your hat that he made a full-on James Wan movie <laughs> that is like yeah. a very strange movie for a guy at this point in his career who's made the movies he's made to make this, yeah. this again, whether you want to say controversial, divisive, whatever, but just this, a movie that could could really miss people with its tone and people could really be like not here for this this type of movie you know that's kind of seems like that that, yeah i kind of i kind of you know i think i dig that even more than i do the movie i dig that i I dig that the james wanness of it you know that he's i think i think i want to i wanted to mention my i think what might be my one of my favorite uh sequences in the movie and, and one of those ones where you're just like huh was uh when she's with her sister and they're and she's telling her about how she's adopted mm-hmm. and the moment that she says that she was adopted the sister's face has yes. like she's like and then it cuts to an aerial view of seattle at night with like an evanescent song playing yeah. or something uh, and I'm just like, right what? no it felt like wow i was like did i i was like did my did my hbo max just glitch out or something yeah, like that it was so weird cut. and but but then i mean and again i'm not trying to give too much credit here when you realize who the person is in that next scene, it, it's the mother. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of, it sort of ties. The, I don't know. No, you're right though. That felt okay. like a really weird edit and it felt like, wow, are they demonizing adoption? Like there's this weird right, thing of like, right. wow, you're adopted. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory, man. This, this is what I was going to say to you guys earlier. Remember how we saw Drive, Nicholas Wyndham Reffing, we're like, man, can't wait to see what he has next. And then Only God Forgives came out. And he was like, you thought you liked me? Fuck you. Now, I thought of that repeatedly with this movie because Steve very famously like hated that movie. And you and I were doing the, um, I, we think this was intentional conversation. Yeah. And we had some version of that just because it's intentional, does that mean it's valid? And like, you know what I mean? Like that discussion yeah, of like, right. if a filmmaker is trying to intentionally blow up their own reputation in a movie, yeah. like, do you, ha- you 
do you have to salute that? You know, and I think in that movie, we kind of came down on the side of, no, you don't really have to salute it if you're not having fun with it, no matter how deliberate yeah. the director was. Oh, I wanted you to dislike it. You know, like that doesn't matter. On some right. level, you could still say that's bad. And I think this you movie can. is, <laughs> and this movie is a hell of a lot more fun in some ways oh, to watch much, than Only God Forgives. Fun. But I had the same thought, Ronald. I was thinking constantly of like this conversation and going, oh yeah, the last time we talked about a movie that was on this level of like, what is what exactly is this director trying to do? It was that one, maybe. I don't know. I don't think I've been yeah. as mystified by a movie uh, or at least within the context of talking about it on this show. So I would say that one or uh, not that it's the same, but I was going to say uh, it made me think of, uh, what was it? The book, the book of Henry. Oh, the book of Henry. Yeah. <laughs> You guys yeah, had the but, best. You guys had the best reaction to that movie. Like, <laughs> to the point where I didn't see it because of <laughs> how poorly you guys reacted to it. it that it, one is. It yeah, made me sad is, just hearing you guys talk about it. So I was like, I don't want to. I'm, I'm. I'm gonna save my money. I think that lost a man yeah, that, in a Star Wars movie too. Like that. That. It, that it did. That it did. That is nuts. But maybe gained him another Jurassic World movie. Oh, so that's true. There you go. That's true. That's true. Um, he he's fine. Don't yeah. worry, yeah, he's yeah. fine. Right. Um, we don't feel sorry for yeah, any right. of these people that we talk about. <laughs> for the for the record, no, no. Um. All right. Cool. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to say about uh malignant? See it. It's time to cut the cancer out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's also crazy? If you you if you say that to the person that wronged you and they don't get it they don't give a fuck about you they forgot about you she's yeah. like huh and she's like oh uh <laughs> why did it take her so long that was a crazy thing to say and you would remember saying that to another human being especially especially saying it like in a situation where you had like a mutant right. uh Mutant being yes. controlling the lights and the power and overpowering every person in your hospital. Yes. Well, see, the, yeah. that that flashback was yeah. like thirty years before the the or twenty seven years, I think, actually is the the number mm -hmm. they put on. It. But like, nineteen ninety, what four? Yeah. Three? Yeah, for one thing, that th th they didn't age enough. Those doctors <laughs> didn't age enough within that amount of time. But let's leave that aside. But also, like. There's plenty of years with which to play around with the other things that doctor was up to at that clinic. So you can mm. maybe we'll get a little bit of an explanation of like, you know, what other things she was doing that made her not so amazed by this uh this mutant uh, you know, kid that she kind of forgot. Well, I say different things all the time when we kill mutant children. Which one are you, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love I love the like, yeah, we the girl that we aged up, yeah, she just walked out of the door. <laughs> What? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. No, he's like, oh, oh you, you saw the picture. I see, I see you saw the picture on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What? what? Th that feels like a scene what? that you know you need, and you're looking around, and you're like, who do we have that's still on set right now? Okay, you, you, come over here. You. What can we have these people say? that We need to get out this piece of information, you know? No, oh, that, that, that was like a... But again, in a movie where you're saying, oh, maybe this was all intentional, it's like, oh, the fact that it's a little clunky, if, if not on purpose, it certainly doesn't, like... It doesn't affect what we're talking about. Like it only lends yes. in, it only lends to the schlocky fun of but, this movie. But but the, his credit, his drawing was spot on. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, Steve, when you do an age up, they don't look exactly. He, he he is on a whole other level. 
<laughs> he needs I mean, to give that guy job. a raise. Did he survive? Did he survive? I don't even know if he lived. I don't know. I don't think he was. <laughs> I don't think. He, <laughs> I don't think many people lived at that police station. <laughs> we'll just assume he had a really great last moment drawing the most accurate aged up <laughs> drawing ever in so police good. history. How is it we haven't talked about though the the not the police station itself, but the 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 holding cell? Yeah, that scene. Oh, the women. The, the women's Royal Rumble is the fucking Royal insane. Rumble I mean, in the, even the way it's shot. Like, talk about this movie's given up on scaring you. This is this yeah. is like made. It's like it's you know it's just like one person after yeah. another shows up. And also the 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 women in the cell were these different types that it felt very dated in a way. But like, it was, I guess they were, they were supposed to be like streetwalkers and people that got picked up by the cops or whatever. But it just felt like right. The, 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 I don't know, just a very funny assortment of like easily recognizable women. So that when was they was one of them Zoe killed, Bell. Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought. She I was kind of the I... main one, the sort of okay. main antagonist of the bunch. And they were really rough, yeah. I mean, I guess it's a tough scene in there, yeah. but um, but no, that was insane. That scene was, but I mean, you can sort of feel like when you get to a scene like that, you go, "Oh, I sort of get it. I get why they mm-hmm. made this movie." You know, like this is what they were building up to. Like, yeah. and if anyone tells you this movie gets crazy, they're probably talking about like someone to their head getting stepped on and their eyes popping out, kind of shit. <laughs> like that's just over the top insane. You know? Check. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> now you've seen that. <laughs> You want to just kill a random essay, a random gang member that that isn't even trying to fight her, just gets pushed into the circumference of this danger zone. Just yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, I love strength. it. Throwing them around. We just sold so many tickets for this movie. Just so I guess we did. <clears throat> so for your efforts for getting James, uh, that this will do a lot for those. See that movie. Yeah. All right, so Malignant's in theaters now. Uh, it's also, like we said, on HBO Max. And it's the standard. Like, it'll be on there for, I think, it's 30 days or 31 days. Um, so you have uh, an option to see it there while you can. Um, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Moviespoopy.com is the website. You can find this uh, any podcast platform we should be on, and you can link to all those from that webpage. Uh, we're on the social medias as well. All of them.com slash Moviespoopy, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, I'm sure. Hopefully, we're there. Uh, and and like Facebook also has this podcast feed that's working now, so you can even listen to the podcast through Facebook on the Movie Movie site. Um, I don't know what we got coming up in the next week. I know next week, uh, I don't think we'll see it in time, but Mike Flanagan's new series on Netflix comes out, uh, the Midnight Midnight Mass. So hopefully, cannot wait. We can see that maybe next weekend and talk about that the week after. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we can make happen. Mm. Um, but there's a couple of movies coming out over the next week or so that we'll probably uh, try to check out and you know get on the show next week. And eventually, we need to finish our our uh, watch them all for Nightmare on Elm Street. One of these weeks coming up, especially in October, we'll, we'll get that done for yep. sure. Um, yeah, man, that'll that'll do it. Do you guys have anything else you want to mention before we? Uh, get out of here Not besides I. go see malignant or check malignant out while it's on hbo max <laughs> no, that's nothing else nothing else okay so um yeah all right good as always you've made our day thanks bye